0: If you are what you say you are, yeah, yeah. a superstar, then that. have no fear, the cameras here, uh, and the microphones, uh, and they wanna know, oh, oh, oh,
1: yeah, yeah, uh, a fresh, cool, young Trying to catch his microphone, check two, one two. Wanna believe my own hype, but
0: it's two one true. The world brought me, to it me. Is DFS MVP alongside 444's director of DFS, TJ Hernandez. I'm holding Kushner. TJ, before we get started, as always, what's going on with the music here? Uh classic here from Lupe Fiasco, superstar from his
1: 2007 album, Lupe Fiasco's The Cool. If you like that intro music, along with all of our other classic hip-hop hits for our intro music, you could find it on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Just go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, or go to my Twitter. I actually just tweeted it out right before we started this pod. Um, I'm always tweeting it out along with the podcast, so check out that playlist there.
0: Don't you have a rule that this has to be
1: old school? I mean, oh, this school. I mean, shoot, this was 13 years ago.
0: That's a long that's, time. That's a long time. That's a long time. Probably for like half our listeners. It's more yeah. than half their life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Lupe it doesn't Fiasco, even seem like that long. I think Lupe Fiasco falls under the uh, uh, classic artist. I think he has enough uh, history and pool to be classified as uh, as a classic.
0: Okay. All right. Episode 147. Of DFS MVP. We're going to have our week 14 value plays like we normally do. I'm just going to scroll down here real quick. One guy, two guys, three guys. Three guys I really have not even looked at um, okay. just off of first glance. So I'm cool. looking forward to checking that out. Yeah. And we both agree on a guy that has stunk for the last month. And we're going <laughs> for him this, this, this week. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, also, the world famous... Theory segment exploiting roster trends, focusing on contrarian ideas behind low owned players. Will you just like break that down for if I'm a six year old? Talk to me like I'm a six year old. What are we doing today?
1: Yeah, we're always talking about um, being unique, and it's always centered around uh, ownership or unique plays or unique stacks um, and really just looking at something beyond just ownership, beyond. Um, looking for low on plays we've done that a lot there's a couple things that popped up in winning lineups this week that i noticed that kind of spawned this idea so i think it'll be um, just a fun way to talk through some ideas that we uh, don't often talk about
0: can i bring up a topic before we even get it I'm, go- I'm going to and I, I hope you're happy with this i'm always okay happy. you always sweet out the millie maker winners and the sunday yeah. million and mm-hmm. everything like that yep do you have to bring it back? Let's say Ooh, you're going We'll with talk th- about that. Let's save that for theory for
1: today. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's included. I'm, I'm having this we're gigantic
0: on, debate. We're on, and
1: same, we're on the same wavelength today. Cause I actually bring that up later.
0: Uh-huh. I must not have read the notes enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this buddy. Okay. Uh, right now you can sign up for the DFS sub. It dropped to 24 bucks. Just get in on it already. Yeah. I we mean, still have two months of DFS left. Yeah. Give you we give you this beautiful free content all the time. Come on, you can pay for it a little bit. It's
1: it's basically the price of a um, of a millie maker entry to get access to uh, stuff that'll help you win the millie over the next couple months.
0: It's one way to put it. Quarterback for our value plays. He has averaged fifteen point five fantasy points on DK over Mm -hmm. the last four games. Mm -hmm. He's nine thousand on Fanduel. He's seventy nine hundred on DK. He's taking on the Jets, though, and he's Russell Wilson, TJ.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, only one of those games he's went over the uh, 20-point mark in terms of fantasy points. We've seen Seattle trending back towards – uh, that not run heavy, but a slightly more balanced offense that Pete Carroll um, and Brian Schottenheimer have forced down Russell Wilson's throat in recent, year, recent years. Uh, obviously, early in the season this year, a very high passing volume, so they they've got away from that. But uh, this is a spot where. Russell Wilson should get right, and he is priced up despite those recent struggles like you mentioned, uh, but, but it is warranted. Um, the Seahawks are favored by almost 14 points. They have an implied point total just under 30, the third highest implied point total on the slate. And uh, we saw it last week against a Raiders team that doesn't throw a lot and often doesn't throw uh, very effectively. Got roasted through the air by Carr, by Waller, um, late by Ruggs. Uh, the Jets their last and four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed two quarterbacks according to four for fours schedule adjusted metric over the last three games a total of one thousand and four yards and eight total touchdowns allowed to opposing quarterbacks. Um, they've faced the highest passing rate neutral game script over the last six weeks, so we know that Russell Wilson can put up. Uh, uber efficient numbers he's obviously done it in the first uh, three quarters of this year first half of this year eight or nine weeks or whatever and over his career um, one of the most if not the most efficient passer in history so even though his efficiency has been down the last month it's not all of a sudden going to disappear uh, especially against this jet secondary so if you can get up to Russell Wilson, which I think you can, uh, he is—he's due for a bounce back spot. He's going to bounce back, and he's uh, despite that high salary, he is our top quarterback value on FanDuel. Not rated quite as high on DraftKings, where uh, DraftKings expensive quarterbacks always can get pushed down a little bit in the value rankings on DraftKings. But
0: uh,
1: I, I think it's relatively easy to get to him on FanDuel.
0: I like Justin Herbert a lot this week. Mm-hmm. You've got the other side of this Atlanta. Yeah at the chargers game with matt ryan 7300 Fanduel 5700 on dk do you think that i think this has the possibility to be the most popular game out there this week
1: i don't know if it will be the most popular game it might be if we look at that turn from a game stack the only reason i don't know um if it'll draw a ton of ownership because we have Green Bay, Tennessee, both projected for over 30 points. I already mentioned Seattle. Tampa Bay projected for 29 points, and that's a very stackable game with the Vikings' popular receivers on the other side. Chiefs projected for 28.5 points. So if we're just looking at the good side of of the game or the teams with the higher implied totals, I think all of those offenses alone are going to draw a lot of ownership. Um, But this game I do think is the most stackable in terms of looking at both sides of the ball and uh, you mentioned you like Justin Herbert. I think both sides are very much in play here, in um, especially in tournaments. I picked Matt Ryan just because he really popped in our uh, value report. A lot of that has to do, um, obviously, with his salary and the fact that the Falcons are the favorites, uh, the two-and-a-half-point favorites uh, in a game with a 49.5-point over-under the reason I think you probably suggest this as a popular game and the reason I like it as a game to stack out of all of the games There's four or five games with a over-under of at least 49 and a half, which this one has Um, The smallest spread two and a half points. It's also it matches the the Colts Raiders which is also two and a half but the point is all of those other games with big over-unders, pretty big spreads, so we might not get that shootout uh, game flow that we often like, especially if we're targeting uh, the passing games. Both of these offenses, the Chargers and the Falcons, are top 10 in neutral passing rate over the last six weeks. Both the Chargers and the Falcons are bottom five in deep ball completions allowed this season according to Sports Info Solutions, so that only adds to the, uh, the potential shootout narrative. And then The Chargers, they rank 30th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. You might look at their last couple weeks, and they haven't been that bad. But if we look at a zoomed-out window, remember, we're adjusting for strength of schedule here. So going all the way back to Week 7, they've allowed multiple touchdowns to Gardner Minshew. Uh, Drew Locke, Derek Carr Tua, Joe Flacco Cam threw one touchdown last week Which for Cam is like four touchdowns Because Cam doesn't throw touchdowns Uh, So the Chargers when we adjust for strength of schedule uh, They've given up some pretty big games to some pretty mediocre or bad quarterbacks uh, so that's why you see that really bad um adjusted rating and matt ryan has um both of his help healthy weapons uh calvin ridley and julio jones and we'll touch on that a little bit more later
0: yes we will first we're going to go to running back <clears throat> uh josh jacobs as of this recording did not practice Yep. On Wednesday, Christian McCaffrey. It looks like he had a setback in practice, mm. and it's trending toward him not playing, unfortunately, because yeah. uh, I was looking forward to having a couple shares of him. But yeah. we'll go right back to Derrick Henry. So let's talk about him, FanDuel versus DraftKings. He's at Jacksonville, 9,600 FanDuel, 8,700 DraftKings. Would you play him in cash on DK.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it ties right into CMC's health because if he is a go, we've already seen he missed a huge chunk of the season, came back and went right back into that CMC workload, 28 touches with 10 targets, caught all 10 of them. So if he plays, he's the highest floor play. And I think you uh, try to jam him in over Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook with a really tough matchup this week. Um, but if CMC's out, Derrick Henry is going to be that top value for us on uh on both sites. Uh eighty seven hundred on DraftKings uh is expensive, but I think just given the fact that Tennessee um is a seven and a half point favorite, and you mentioned DraftKings because on on FanDuel, Derrick Henry is, is pretty much more of a smash play, um half PPR scoring, but uh there is Potential for the the bonus on DraftKings which isn't always predictable, but if we're looking for likelihood of that happening, I don't think any player besides Henry has a better chance this week with uh, Jacksonville as the 30th ranked defense in four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed with them having allowed four 100-yard games this season the third most in the league and obviously with Derrick Henry's propensity for breaking off really long runs, especially uh, great game script in an offense that has the fourth-highest run rate in neutral game script over the last six weeks behind the third-best offensive line in terms of football outsiders, adjusted line yards. Um, Everything kind of points to a huge game from Derrick Henry, and if he does hit that 100-yard bonus, that makes up a little bit. Obviously, your three points isn't going to make up for a running back that catches four or five balls plus the yardage, but it uh, takes the sting off of it a little bit. So if you're playing him in cash – You want that touchdown, obviously. You really want that 100-yard bonus. But, uh, I mean, 25-ish points is is very much in his medium range of outcomes uh, this
0: week. I mean, it's easy to make the argument you just pay up a wide receiver this week. Oh, for sure. Um, And then we can find some values a little bit farther down. David Montgomery, 6,600 Fandle, Mm -hmm. 6,500 DraftKings. And he's coming off a monster game. It was really uncomfortable To play him last week but boy he was terrific he was cash and gpp viable and now he gets houston
1: yeah we i mean we said it last week it it, we we didn't say it was a hold your nose pick we said it felt like a hold your nose pick but we were doing what we've trained so hard to do and that's following the volume following the workload um he popped two weeks ago and i think people were just nervous that it was an aberration but i mean this Offense has been at least serviceable to the point where David Montgomery has some touchdown upside. Um, he is, if we just look at percentage of touches, you you say he is the most um, – by the definition of the word workhorse or bell cow, fits that word more than any other back in the league. Now, he's not getting the 26, 27 touches that Derrick Henry, that Dalvin Cook, that a Christian McCaffrey gets. But if we look at how much of the backfield work he's getting, he's getting pretty much 100% of the, the backfield touches, unless you include um, a quarter Patterson, carrier two here as a backfield touch. I mean, the only guy that's really even close in terms of backfield touch share. Is uh, James Robinson. So Montgomery getting all of that work um, in uh, the Chicago backfield f- against a Houston defense that they've been run against at the sixth highest rate in neutral game script. They are allowing the most adjusted line yards. That's a metric of how bad their defensive line is against uh, opposing offensive lines in the run game. They've allowed the most 100 yard games uh, this year, which. Obviously, like Derrick Henry, we talked about is, is a boost over on DraftKings, but Montgomery has actually been seeing usage in the passing game as well. So he's very viable on DraftKings. With all of those things that I mentioned about Houston, they come in as our
0: second-worst defense against running backs. Yeah, they stink. Yeah. <clears throat> they really stink. They really do. Wide receiver. So you got a couple notes here. A.J. Brown now practicing, John Drew Smith limited. That would point yeah. to me that Corey Davis is going to be play.
1: Yeah, that will be. I mean, if if those if both of those guys play, obviously Corey Davis gets a little bit of a downgrade. I mean, it's it, it always feels like chasing points when it's are your roster and a player in cash that's coming off like a, a GPP winning week. But he was already kind of getting out ahead of AJ Brown in volume before last week, which was why he, he was um, a player that some people might've already been on in GPPs. Um, But uh, I mean, obviously you don't expect that trend to continue, but
0: um, if both of these guys are out, Corey Davis is going to be a slam dunk. Yep. But the slam dunk for me is Devante 9,600 FanDuel, 9,300 DraftKings at, Detroit now some people will look at what was it week three and he only had three catches he got hurt that yep. game Yeah, um, I mean he's basically the goal line running back for them too at this point. <laughs> he, yeah. they just throw it to him throw the yeah. a fade. He gets it every time. Yeah, for sure Yeah, I mean you're not gonna we're not gonna put too much
1: uh, weight into a, a player versus a, a team stat um, especially one sample all, we, Actually that just reminded me of going into last week All of these, not even going in the last week, like once the game started, all of these people were saying all, all T.Y. does is score against Houston. Before Sunday, he'd only scored once in their last six games against Houston. So I don't know where that came from all of a sudden like i started hearing it sunday morning and it was really weird but that i just wanted to throw it out there because it was really
0: bothering me i wish i would have heard that and i it wish was, i would have gotten suckered into I, it so i would have no i know of it them.
1: no it, it obviously worked but i just thought it was i didn't even realize it was a narrative that was going around I didn't throughout know. the week um but it was i don't know it was, i'm sorry if 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 you were saying it i'm not yelling at you i just thought it was weird anyway Devonte adams uh target share over the last six weeks. That's second in the league only to Michael Thomas. 30% target share in all but one of those games. For the season, like you mentioned, he's basically their goal linebacker. 23 red zone targets leads the league. Obviously, he's missed time and still leads the league by a big margin in that category. 16 of those red zone targets come inside the 10-yard line. Detroit ranks 23rd in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. And that doesn't even account for the fact that they are uh, missing players in their secondary. That ranking goes all the way back 10 weeks. So they've been bad even when they were healthy.
0: Julio. Boy. At the Chargers, right? So this is uncomfortable yep. for me because he's playing Isn't on one hammy, but he always plays on one hammy. Seventy yeah. six hundred Fandle, sixty-six hundred DK. Holden, get over yourself, dude. It's a great spot. I mean, he, he saw ten
1: targets last week and, and looked uh quite spry on that one hammy. He uh over the last three games that Julio and Ridley have played together, remember they've going back to week, I think it's seven they've only played three full games together. Julio was limited versus the Saints. Ridley was limited versus the Panthers. They've uh, both missed a game or two uh, while the other one has played full. So they've really only played three full games together in the past eight weeks or something like that. In those games, Julio, they matched uh, for the team lead uh, with 10 targets last week, and Julio out-targeted Ridley in the other games they've played. So um, in those three games, Julio has been the... Team leader in targets, but he's $500 cheaper than Ridley on FanDuel, $900 cheaper on DraftKings. I just don't see how Ridley is uh, is that much more of a a value or a player that elicits that much more salary than Julio. Like they're essentially a 1A 1B, and you're getting a big discount on Julio. So if you are tar- targeting Um, This past game or these receivers in general. I think Julio really stands out just as a value when you're comparing the two Uh, Because of that we have Julio valued as a top three value on DraftKings where he's priced at sixty six hundred dollars an interesting to an interesting note about their splits when they're both on the field and They've only been on the field Uh, for at least 70% of the snaps in five games this season. In those five games, they're averaging 28.4 points. In the games where they have been limited or one of them has been out, the Falcons are only averaging 24 points. So that four points, that's a pretty uh, notable gap there. Obviously,
0: this offense is a lot better with their two best players healthy. No doubt about it. Marvin Jones. So maybe this would be a run back. Uh, Take it on Green Bay, 5,200 yeah. FanDuel, 5,800 DraftKings. And he's getting peppered with targets. Yeah, he is. Um, I mean, I, I think you could definitely make the
1: argument that he's cash viable. 5800 on DraftKings is uh, a little bit pricey because he is boom or bust, even, even with his volume from time to time, just because this offense is still um, run heavy and, and uh, we have seen him be fairly inefficient with relatively high volume kind of throughout his career. But you can't ignore the fact that uh, they should be, the Lions should be in a situation where, They should be throwing more than they usually will because they are underdogs in what should be a high-scoring game against the Packers. should be negative game script. Marvin Jones has seen at least 10 targets in three of his last four games. He saw 12 targets in each of his last two games in that four-game stretch. He leads the league in air yards top 12 in target share, third in air yard share. So he's seen targets. He's seen deep targets that leads to upside. Um, obviously, we know volume is a very good thing, but he has a a lot of very big game potential in his range of outcomes, especially this week. He can be um, he can be tournament winning upside this week. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, I got a bonus wide receiver. His name is yeah. Michael Thomas. He's yes. going to Philadelphia yeah. 7-1 on DK 7-3 on FanDuel. It's you know, I'm old enough to remember when he was like $3,000 more around this time last year. Yeah. But he was more expensive than, than Devonte is right now. I'm pretty sure he Michael was 10 K.
1: I think he reached 10 K. Yeah. yeah. He I mean, reached 10 K. We were K still and talking about playing him. Yep.
0: Yeah, seven. And we did play him and I yeah. had my best cash year ever because I just kept plugging in Thomas and CMC <laughs> yeah. every single week and building around. Last year was so easy for, to build in cash. When you look back at it and say, oh, I can just plug these two guys every week. This year we have Devontae Adams and who? We had Dalvin for a few weeks. We had Dalvin
1: for a few weeks, yeah. But, I mean, right now it's it's yeah. kind of built around Devontae.
0: Well, he was also hurt. And then, you know, it's, it, it's been – we haven't had the other guy. We haven't had the running back. Anyways, uh, 29 targets last three weeks. He's got a nine, four, and nine catches. It really does seem like Tayson's looking his way. Is there a concern that it's on the road um, – and at outside too. I mean this New Orleans offense has had issues before. It's I, I'm not gonna draw that conclusion though, because it's Taysom who's under center for now.
1: Yeah, I mean and and I think probably he's going to be more likely just to keep zeroing in on Michael Thomas because he probably doesn't have the experience or confidence to uh, really go outside of, of what he knows, That's that being Taysom Hill. So, um, no, I mean, 37% target share over the last month leads the league by a wide margin. I mentioned Devontae's at 32. Uh, so uh, with Michael Thomas being all the way up to 37, that's huge. Not only does he lead the league in target share, leads the league in air yard share, and it's not like – He's just getting uh, this super high volume on some dink and dunk. His average depth of target over the last month is over 10 yards. So uh, Taysom's hitting him on, on uh, targets that they're not super far down the field. Like he, It's not like he's mixing in... Um, You know, a bunch of one or two yard targets with some 30, 40 yard bombs, but he's hitting him on some nice intermediate range stuff. And and a lot of it is relatively high percentage still. So Michael Thomas is is a fine play. I mean, because uh, Taysom can, uh, we still, I mean, two, his only two games as as a passer that have been good have been against the Falcons. The Denver game, you kind of throw out the window just because that was a just super weird game with Denver not having a, a quarterback. Um, so how does Taysom play against not the Falcons, who are arguably the worst secondary in the league? Um, that's, that's to be determined, which I think keeps Michael Thomas out of cash consideration a little bit. And we just have a lot of really, really good receivers uh, that are affordable. So it's not like you have to, you have to play him. But um, I'm not going to be mad if you play him in cash. Uh, but he is definitely in my player pool in tournaments. That volume is just undeniable.
0: Tight end, Robert Tunyon. He's not He's not Tunyon. He's Tunyon like mm-hmm. Onion. Mm-hmm. 5,900 FanDuel, 4,200 DraftKings at Detroit. I mean, just start your Packers, except for prefer- Marcus Valdez-Scantling because I can't stand him and footballs hate his hands. I prefer Tunyon like Funyon, but... Onion Ooh, Tunyon like Funyon's a good, good one, too.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, we got Kelsey and Waller all the way at the top. We, we don't need to talk about them, but uh, beyond that, it's just kind of pick your poison at Titan if you are going to pay down. And if you're going to pay down, you might as well look for upside. You're not going to get more upside upside. Uh, than the Packers' offense right now. I mean, at least they're using their tight end. If you look at some of the other offenses that have uh, potential um, blow-up spots, they're they're not really um, involving their tight end as much as the Packers are. Tanyan's seen five targets in three straight games. He's scored in three straight games. Like we talked about last week, you're, you're just getting affordable exposure to arguably the best passing game um in the league at the very least the most efficient quarterback no one's been as efficient as Aaron Rodgers so uh against Detroit who's middle in the pack against tight ends uh Tunyon is just uh he, he's just touchdown upside like there, are no guys outside of, of Kelsey and Waller giving us crazy consistent volume so we, we're looking for um good game script with those guys
0: all right Hunter Henry yep we talk him and just the, again the Chargers passing game it's Just those two games. I mean, we're looking at the Packers. It mm-hmm. seems like we're just gonna be your cherry picking maybe from the from the Chargers, Falcons too, in cash.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um again, it's just a, a salary saving option in in these weeks or or these not even these weeks, I guess these seasons now, where we have the tight ends who um we talked about it last week when the position is just bad. You kind of just pick a guy uh, that you, you want to plant your flag on, maybe with a good matchup. And even if they aren't going to be popular, you can actually benefit from being a little bit contrarian at the position. Or at least from there not being a consensus um, cheap cheap guy. Because if they hit, then all of a sudden you're way ahead of the field. Uh, Hunter Henry is very affordable. He's second in red zone targets among tight ends over the last six weeks behind only Darren Waller and Land 24th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends, and uh, yeah, you, you you mentioned it. We we just like this game in general. We like stacking it on both sides. Uh, a lot of these players are viable in cash games because of the passing upside on both sides. So Hunter Henry is gonna um, save you some
0: money on both sides. 4400, especially uh, intriguing over on DraftKings defenses. Let's take them both here. Seahawks fifth, 5, uh, 5,000 Fanduel 3k on DK, and mm-hmm. then paying down a 3,500 on Fanduel with the Cowboys, 2,400 on DraftKings matchup specific place.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we have five teams on the main slate that are favored by at least seven points. They're all priced up a little bit, uh, on Fanduel. The $5,000 is the highest price tag, but Fanduel lets you get up there if you need to on DraftKings, uh, isn't even the highest they're like fifth or sixth defense. So it's expensive, but not crazy expensive But the reason we want to point them out is because out of all of those teams that are favored by seven Four of them are between seven and seven and a half point favorites Seahawks 13 and a half point favorites Uh, And then if we just look at the metrics for both of these teams Seahawks and Cowboys they're facing teams in the Bengals and Jets who allow a lot of Points to opposing defenses and a lot of that is centered around the fact that uh, They get behind a lot and they have very bad offensive lines and we know when you can get pressure on the quarterback that leads to uh, Turnovers and and sacks and fantasy points. Obviously the Cowboys they are they're basically just the cheapest favorite They're 3500 on Fandle 2400 on DraftKings So you're saving a bunch of salary by targeting a defense that's favored by three and a half They're not a good real-life defense. We know that but we've said it infinite times on this podcast you don't necessarily need to have a good defense to be a good fantasy defense especially when you are a favorite against a bad offensive
0: line so TJ let's get to our theory segment exploiting roster trends mm-hmm. once again real quick what are the trends we're going to be looking at just uh just, just a broad overview yeah we'll look at
1: some um and again this isn't this isn't going to be related to um, ownership, which is usually what we're really talking about with um, these roster trends. We're going to be looking at different types of stacking. We all know stacking, different types of stacking and and how we can use trends uh, to be a little bit unique. Um, Looking at things like exploiting the flex position and then one thing that's really interesting that you talked about that I, I like to tweet out with these trends is the salary manipulating salary um and not just how we allocate salary to position like we've talked about a ton on here um but just how salary makes up your roster and little things you can do to be unique with
0: it what brought this all up what are, with these trends where's this yeah. come from
1: um well i mean I'll, most of these Theory segments, or a lot of them just come from the weekly review that I do um, every Monday for the. Uh, I, I write an article on 4, for Four called called TJ's Takes, where I review the uh, the Sunday Million and the Millionaire winners, and then I'm I'm just looking to extract some trends that maybe we can use as actionable info for our GPP lineup building. But this week was um, really unique because we had uh, two things specifically, actually three things that came up um, that we don't see very often. On FanDuel, we saw a uh, a lineup that used, a we call it the naked quarterback, so they didn't stack with their quarterback. Very rare, the first time we've seen it all season. We saw the winner on DraftKings leaves $500 of salary on the table, which is a ton. Haven't seen that much all season. And then we also saw the winner on DraftKings use a tight end in the flex, we never see that. Uh, so, all three of these things all came together in one week, so I thought like maybe we should talk about some of these ways to be unique that goes beyond like we always talk about like find the you know find the contrarian stack, find a guy that 's two or three percent owned ninety five percent of the time that 's enough to be unique, but I mean we should have these um uh what do we call it these other uh these other tools to work with, so to speak hmm.
0: So stack it with a quarterback. Let's talk about this. Some of the different ways you can yeah. be thinking about um, stacking.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've we've talked a ton about like how we should be stacking and what we should be looking for with the stack. But I also think that a lot of times we go through um, these trends and we get stuck in in patterns, and you end up kind of just building the same type of, um, of lineup every single week. So going back I don't remember if we did a, a, a trends recap midway through the season but um, I have been tweeting out trends like you've talked about um, every single week for these winning lineups and looking at these stacks one thing that we've seen especially very early in the season, almost every winner was was game stacking um, using a quarterback with two players from their offense but also a ton of winners have been using bring it back options so a most usually that is a wide receiver from the other team but we've seen one two, three of the winners. Of the DraftKings uh, millionaire winners haven't used a bring it back, and three, four of the Fandle winners haven't used a bring it back. So more often than not, using a bring back option um, has been not only viable but a winning strategy. But I mean, if we're talking about a third of the time or or 25% of the time winners aren't using a bring back, then that's enough where we should be paying attention to it and not making, if we're making 100% of our lineups the same way, no matter what topic we're talking about here, whether it's stacking, whether it's who you use in the flex or how you use your salary, if 100% of your lineups are built exactly the same, you're not going to give yourself a chance to be different from the field or at least have this unique structure um, in your hip pocket so like people want people see these lineups that are using bringbacks every single week um, and it isn't always necessarily the right spot to do it so some things you should be talking about or thinking about like is the the offense or especially the opposing offense is it a super concentrated passing attack and and that's that's secondary to obviously is there even shootout potential right like just because a game has a high over under if the other team is just straight up bad like the jets last week uh, we saw Derek Carr or the Raiders in winning lineups neither Fanduel or DraftKings uh, had a a jet bring back in it because that's just a bad offense now they had a good game last week but if there's not legit shootout potential you don't need to bring back if that offense isn't super concentrated where you don't know if um the Jets get behind or um if I don't know what another good example is Houston last week with with Brandon Cooks out. We don't know where the ball's gonna go. You don't necessarily need um need a bring back there.
0: Yeah <clears throat> so excuse me, it, may, it would make sense though. If you're going quarterback, wide receiver, tight end even. Right. <clears throat> but you don't have to force it in. Like if there's someone at the same price and you like that guy and he's going to be low owned. the only thing is when when you're when you're going quarterback and two receivers it's like yeah. why wouldn't you bring it back
1: well i mean think about a scenario i mean we already talked about the jets so i won't bring them up again but i mean think about um a game i mean james robinson worked last week but a game last week where the Vikings had a, a super um, high total, and you know that their offense is very concentrated, right? The reason we should be stacking a an offense is because they have concentrated offense. We know Dalvin Cook's going to get all the running back work. We know Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen is going to get, they're going to combine for like 50, 55% of the targets. So even though they are, uh, you, you want to stack the Vikings, you could confidently stack them in that spot. On the other side of it, if, take out James Robinson from the equation, they they have a bad passing game with their number one wide receiver out. That's a scenario where I don't think you necessarily need to bring it back. So, I I mean, bad if you're playing against bad offenses, if you're playing against offenses that have a very diluted target share, um, and then obviously if they don't have a, a running back that's getting all the carries like a James Robinson, um, I think those are, those are spots where you
0: don't need to, to use a bring back. I love that conversation. Okay, yeah. thinking about mini yeah. stacks. Let's talk about those right now.
1: Yeah, that's that's just another um another area we should be thinking about uh how we can be using stacking just beyond beyond the the traditional quarterback stack and I'll actually tie this into the the um lineup that we saw on FanDuel this week that used a naked quarterback. So even though The Fandle winner didn't have a stack with Deshaun Watson. They still had six correlated players in their lineup. They had three mini stacks. They had a wide receiver with a tight end, um, a running back with a wide receiver, and then another wide receiver with an opposing wide receiver combo. So these are scenarios where you can kind of corner all of the points in an offense without a quarterback Uh, So again, like they they used rugs and Darren Waller to get a lot of the points uh, from one uh, Passing game they used Rashard Higgins and Corey Davis to get a huge percentage of the points from two passing games um, in the same game so you're going to add uh, extra correlation um, to your lineups but again it's it's not something you have to necessarily force every week but it's something that gives you uh, a little added upside that maybe not every um, every lineup is thinking about like if they are used and it, it might be something that you want to do more if you aren't using a bring back like you mentioned say you have three players from one game but you don't have a bring back, you still want some more correlation in your lineup that me that might be the type of lineup where you look for these really good mini stacks a wide receiver with an opposing wide receiver um, from another team to add correlation in your lineup because we've seen looking at again looking at the winners this uh, this year every fanduel sunday M- million winner has had at least four players with some type of correlation. So that might mean a quarterback and a running back from one game and then a wide receiver and another and a second wide receiver from a separate game. But over half of the winners have had at least six correlated players. If we look at DraftKings, it's a little bit less. We've seen uh ten of the thirteen winners have at least four correlated players, with six of them use at least six correlated players. But that's because on DraftKings, you can make up for game script with with volume. One player that gets six or seven targets uh, can be tournament viable. Where on FanDuel, scoring
0: kind of uh, pushes you more towards relying and, and finding those good game scripts. So there was a couple of weeks when I felt good, or mm-hmm. quite a few weeks, felt good going naked quarterback with Kyler Murray just because yeah. he was getting all the goal line touches yeah. too. And now you look at it like Kenyon Drake, is i think third in mm-hmm. rushes inside the five which is fascinating yeah. to me at this point and he's missed two games and we thought kyler was doing it but that's another strategy right you can do a little naked quarterback who you're doing yeah it with.
1: i i don't think it's something you want to
0: a lot of these strategies are going to be
1: things that you don't want to use a lot but again it's just kind of extra tools that that you want to be able to uh, roll out just because you don't want to be building the same type of lineup every single time so I mean if you are if, if you're someone that mass multi enters that plays 150 lineups every week You're gonna have a little bit more flexibility to implement these things. Maybe five out of your 150 lineups You, you look for these um, You look for these opportunities Whereas if you're somebody that plays single entry or three backs, it might not make sense to uh, Roll these out as often, but a naked quarterback obviously you want a, a mobile mobile passer and then another uh, layer is a Offense or or a quarterback that doesn't really have a clear number one target. So the The epitome of this has been Cam Newton for a lot of his career Um, I mean he had a couple years obviously through to to Christian McCaffrey a ton and then he had the Kelvin Benjamin year But he has a lot he's had a lot of years where he obviously accounts for a ton of the Workload with his legs and then doesn't always have an obvious target So like the perfect scenario kind of like Deshaun Watson was the naked quarterback last week with uh, will Fuller out a quarterback that he maybe he he accounts for four touchdowns, but one is with his legs, and then the other three are to three different wide receivers, and none of them have that like hundred yard game or something. So, uh, it's it's not always going to be um, something that you want to force again because usually if if an offense has a type of upside where you want their quarterback, they are um, they're going to have upside with their pass catchers, but. Uh, in addition to those things we mentioned like obviously if he's a little more affordable that makes it easier too, because you're opening up salary to get studs elsewhere and you want him to be somewhat contrarian maybe like at least under 10% owned. because if, if a quarterback's super chalky like if a if a Josh Allen if it's Josh Allen chalk week I don't think the way to get unique with Josh Allen is to um, is to to roll out a naked Uh, A chalk quarterback because if they're the chalk quarterback that means their team probably has a humongous game total And if they blow up like you're not gaining anything on the field when they blow up um, Without those pieces that are gaining upside So I don't think I think it's probably I would have to do a little more digging on this But my instinct would say it's probably a really bad idea to roll naked quarterback with a chalk quarterback
0: so you just dropped Kelvin Benjamin for the first time since right. 2016. Yeah, yeah. Nice work. Thanks. Nice that's my. That's the most impressive thing you've done so far, and I really like this <laughs> segment. <laughs> Thanks. So what's the last one? Correlation. Just throw it out the window. Have you ever done that before?
1: No, I mean you don't want to throw it out the window, but we have seen we saw a lineup um, on DraftKings win the millionaire with only two correlated players, and we saw two lineups win um, with only three correlated players. So if, if we go back to like that week nine winner on draft, and this is this is I think always going to be a lot more viable on DraftKings and FanDuel because again FanDuel, you, you can't make up for points with volume. You want to nail a couple really good game scripts um, where on DraftKings you can make up for that volume, but I think it's just really specific weeks where you don't um have to have like five or six correlated players in your lineup uh going back again going back to this week 9 It had Christian McCaffrey and Davin Cook in the lineup. So you have two crazy high floor, crazy high ceiling running backs, multi-use running backs that have huge ceilings on their own regardless of what their team team does. Um, So that takes out a a consideration of needing correlation right there with those players. And then it was also a week where we had a ton of really high over-unders, a lot of really high implied point totals. So in those weeks, you're going to be more likely to hit one-off boom plays Um, even though it's harder to do, it's, it's easier to find a game and, and say, okay, if, if the chiefs go off, then two or three of these players might hit. But if there's, I don't know, six teams projected for over 29 points, you could kind of rotate in a lot of one-off players and hope they hit. So if it's a really, if it looks like it's going to be a really low scoring week overall, um, probably not a week to do it. If you don't have players like big multi-use running backs to use in more than one spot, probably
0: not a good spot to do it. So Waller went off last week and I think that made week 13 unique in the flex spot, didn't it? What happened there was a little wacky.
1: So DraftKings, um, the, the millionaire winner on DraftKings used a tight end in the flex. It was the first time since week two that the winner used a tight end in the flex, and only the second time since um, going back to the beginning of last year that the DraftKings millionaire winner has used a tight end in the flex. We've seen it only once on Fanduel this year, um, and it just got me thinking of again how do we use that position? How are we building our lineups? Uh, on on DraftKings, it's uh, it there's a it really kind of depends on the slate. It's kind of been 50-50 running back wide receiver on what's been successful in tournaments. But if you're never thinking outside the box, if you're never even giving consideration to using a tight end in the flex, then you're you're not even going to have the opportunity to be unique um, like those lineups. Now, again, I, I think this is more slanted towards people that are mass multi entering again, if you're using single entry or three max, I don't think you necessarily want to waste one of your bullets or all three of your bullets. Um, on a tight end in the flex, but if you have 150 lineups, maybe only doing this, you know, 2-3% to 3% of the time can give you the opportunity when you have, and I think it's only going to work in when you have Travis Kelsey's, when you have Darren Waller's, you're essentially playing a wide receiver one in your flex. You're playing a tight end and a wide receiver one. So, it, it says tight end on there, but it's really, you're really playing another wide receiver one. And they're priced as such, so it kind of, um, that, that's kind of how it tends to, um, tends to work out but on Fandle it's kind of just got me thinking about the evolution of the flex because they used a wide receiver in the flex wow. and it, was, it was actually this year it was actually the sixth winner this year I'm sorry the fifth winner this year that's used a wide receiver on the flex and Fandle now if you remember Fandle switched to a flex in 2018 they switched from a kicker to a flex That first year, we only saw two winners not use a running back in the flex in the Sunday Million. Last year, that number jumped up to four at double. Now we're already at five with four weeks still to go in the season. So I think, one, it's just been a really bad running back year, uh, which has been pretty evident. So we've seen more wide receiver in the flex do well. And I also think early on, FanDuel is set up so much more for running backs that – When they implemented the flex position that people just naturally built running backs into their lineups And I just don't think that many people were using wide receiver in the flex And now some of the more savvy players have realized that it is a way to be contrarian and that mindset kind of ties into both sides Whether it's the site or the slate if you can get a read on what people are are going to be doing um, it can give you a way to be um contrarian so being able to read the slate is really an art and it just comes with a a ton of experience and and really understanding how people are going to build lineups based on salary based on what's available so going back to I, i think we talked about it on the podcast i definitely talked about it in tj's takes on week 11 um there were a lot of really bad running back options. At the top of our running back slate, it had uh, Adrian Peterson, Duke Johnson, Antonio Gibson was still in a timeshare. James Robinson was a really big underdog, but those were our top values on the slate. So all of our top values had a really big question marks. So even though people are going to be more inclined to use say a running back in the slate on FanDuel, In a week like that where you have nothing but question marks and you think people are still going to force this running back strategy because of something like the site or the scoring, that might be a really good week to go wide receiver. I suggested that. Wide receiver actually ended up doing really well on both sites. On DraftKings, I think it's a little bit more nuanced, uh, but you can kind of figure out outside of just how many players are available or how many good plays are available based on uh, what you end up naturally building. So I think one of the situations that comes up the most is on DraftKings you could end up with some really running back heavy weeks or, or three running back builds when we have those those free square running backs because then all of a sudden you could get three like 20-touch running backs in your lineup relatively easily when you have a $4,500, a 4, $5,000 a, a $5, running back that is getting starter reps. But if you're naturally making lineups, and I think this is the easiest way to think about it, If you're making a ton of lineups and you just keep naturally falling into say a running back as your flex position, then a lot of other people are probably doing the same thing that might indicate that it's a really good idea and might be a very contrarian build to go with wide receiver and the flex.
0: So let's go back to the salary thing though, because this was very Mm. odd. I mean, was that, have you ever seen somebody leave 500 on a table and win a melee?
1: Um, I so we've seen it on I can't remember if we've seen it on DraftKings. We saw it earlier in the year on FanDuel, but that was only because of a late swap. Um which makes sense. I mean, that that's you're you're setting yourself up to to have that flexibility. Um and then there was only one other winner on FanDuel that left more than $400 on the table this year. Going back to 2019 I believe we had one winner on each side that left $500 on the table.
0: Hmm. Well, we had 500 on the table this week, right?
1: Yeah, the um the winner on DraftKings this week left uh left $500 on the table and and this is a strategy that I th- not I think it's definitely more prevalent definitely on showdown but even on like two or three game slates you, you it might be a way to be unique, just because there there's so much overlap in these sh- shorter slates, um, whereas on a main slate, it just doesn't make sense to go out of your way to leave more than like $200 of salary on the table. You just have such a big sample size, not just winners but successful lineups. Whether you're looking at top 10 or lineups that cash. Typically never leave more than two hundred three hundred dollars on the table The vast majority of them are using all of their salary or only leaving like a hundred dollars on the table because there's so many lineup Combinations and you're able to get so unique through a single player or a single stack that you just really don't need to do it So again same thing I I don't think it's something like if you are building a lineup that has four or five hundred dollars on the table um, Better if you're someone playing 100 plus lineups and you can only do it in a couple of lamps, but I I Think and again, this is going back to using the tight end and the flex the perfect time to use these two strategies using a tight end and the flex or leaving big money on the table is When you land on a very chalky lineup, right? Because if you have a very chalky lineup across the board Then you're not obviously you're not going to be unique enough to come away um, to separate yourself from a tournament field. And this really just dawned on me. It's kind of an aha moment when I looked at the DraftKings um, lineup, like how was it able to separate itself from the field? Because the only player that the millionaire winner had under 5% was a quarterback. And that's not even that low for a quarterback. And like you, we usually only have two or three quarterbacks that exceed 10% ownership on a slate. And then it's spread kind of evenly. And then they had, A wide receiver, their wide receiver three was 9.1%. That's not that low for a wide receiver, for their third wide receiver. And then they had two tight ends. One of them was 9%. The other was 21%. Again, usually uh, we only see a couple tight ends with double-digit ownership, so 9% isn't that low for a tight end. How did it get unique? They left $500 salary on the table, and they used a tight end in the flex. And it, it was, I don't know if this winner thought through it that deep, but it was really a genius move because with a lot of players that aren't unique, the way to get unique was through salary and through unique flex. Um, So I I was actually really impressed by that and kind of just, I I think it's gonna be a, a really, great way we've talked about so much this year focusing on ownership focusing on average ownership but if you're building a ton of lineups and you have this relatively chalky lineup that you want to throw into a tournament get unique through salary get unique in your flex position
0: didn't you like scold me earlier this year for saying leave salary on the table to get you well
1: I, i i missed the layer of if it is in a lineup that's chalky, I mean, you hurt my I think feelings. That, I think I, I, I cried think that, after the show. I, I think that was the missing puzzle piece. But keep in mind here that I'm saying that if I'm playing single entry, if I'm playing three max, I'm probably not using these strategies. If I'm making 100 lineups, this might only be in two or three lineups. Ooh, Yeah. Well, this, I mean, this it, I, dude it's won. Not, it's not something that should be prevalent, but you want to give yourself a chance to have outs, right? Different ways to have outs in these tournaments.
0: Well, I mean, you've covered like <laughs> – a whole bunch of really good ones so far. Um, mm-hmm. And that one's an interesting one. So, yep. before we get out of here, you got to tell me yep. about manipulating salary and how to get a little bit more unique that way than just leaving 500 on the table and that's it.
1: Yeah, we've talked, we've actually talked about this one a lot, either in passing or just kind of quickly mentioning it. Mentioning it. Um, but it's just how you allocate your salary to a position. And it kind of goes back to understanding and reading the slates. Uh, The most obvious one is going, or at least to me, is going to be um, when a lot of people are using um, like a stars and scrubs approach or uh, one position is drawing a lot of salary naturally. So a lot of times, again, going back to the situation where if you have a free square, a lot of lineups are going to be using that free square and then using that to get up to... um, To an expensive stud or an extra expensive stud. So the natural lineup build is going to be a stars and stars and scrubs build. So if you notice that happening a lot in your lineups, it might be a really good idea to have a few lineups or a handful of lineups, maybe a lot of lineups where you just have a lot of medium salary guys and then flip that on, on its head, vice versa. If there aren't Obvious super cheap values, and you do build a lineup with a couple sub four thousand dollar guys. You're gonna have a really unique lineup yourself. And then uh, positionally, it's just if uh, if a slate is really heavy at one position, if expensive running backs are dominating uh, value reports, if again if you have a Christian McCaffrey, a Dalvin Cook, and a Derrick Henry in, they're all say they're all in smash spots, and every lineup's going to have at least one of them. Building a lineup with no expensive running backs uh, is just by itself going to be very unique again not something that you're going to do on every single uh, lineup or in every single slate, but it is a way to be unique without searching just for a low on play and then another one is um, Are there going to be a lot of expensive stacks if if everybody's trending towards expensive quarterback? um, expensive wide receiver Looking for some of these cheaper plays like a Baker Mayfield stack last week is going to naturally get you Away from the field that last one. I think is you have to be pretty careful um, because again, if you have a slate where there are Six teams projected for over 28 points It's probably gonna be pretty dumb just to roster a cheap quarterback because that cheap quarterback is probably not going to be in one of those Offenses Um, so it's that that is usually a little bit better on a slate that should be low-scoring getting contrarian at, at quarterback but um but if you're just kind of thinking through the slate and thinking, where are people going to be spending a lot of money? A lot of times you can answer that question of how a lot of rosters are going to look.
0: You just kick some ass that I hope so. I really learned a lot here and probably going to use one or two things from this, at least test it out a little bit yeah, this week I, I, with some lower dollar entries.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, it, we saw that we saw all of these things come up in, in both winning lineups this week And we really haven't seen any of them come up all year, right? So, I mean, it's it's obviously viable There's obviously um, a lot of different considerations to have And, and again, I want to keep putting out the caveat That most of these strategies are things that you're going to use In a very low percentage of, of lineups But if you're not aware of them, then you're not going to be um, you're not going to win a million dollars in week 13. I feel like I just
0: ignored mini stacking for a long time. Uh, my yeah, interest has peaked again.
1: It's the best. I, 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 um, I've really
0: fallen in love with it this year. All right. Very good. Take us out, dude. Nice work. Very nice work.
1: Yeah. I mean, shoot. Um, we're, we're trying to end strong. It's December. But uh, if you haven't signed up yet, Uh, Get access to all of our tools, all of our content, uh, our lineup generator, our projections, only $24.00. Uh, if you sign up for the 4 for 4 sub, again we're going for for two more months. We go through Championship Week um, of the playoffs, and then if you want to uh, hear some more of our musings, you could find Holden on Twitter at Holden Radio. 4 for 4 is at 4 for 4 Football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys next week. We wanted to braid, meaning we wanted to grow, meaning we wanted to stay. Like the governor called, and he told him to wait. Unstrap him from the chair, and put him back in his cage. The audience ain't phased, Then they ain't gonna clap, and they ain't gonna praise. They want everything back that they paid, cause they've been waiting since 10 to see the lights get
0: dim. If you are what you say, you are a superstar.